0: Hey everyone, welcome to the nitty-gritty of real estate, and this session number 29 is all about being aware of common pitfalls that buyers will have in this marketplace, so let's get to it. Hi everyone, Tom Krieger here from the Tom J. Krieger team. I'm here with Matt Bure, our number one buyer's agent on the team and a very well-known real estate agent throughout the United States and the Tom Ferry organization. So Matt, this week we're going to be talking about buyers, which you know all about. Mm -hmm. And in this marketplace, you're discovering a lot of things that buyers are having to do or being asked to do to get a property under contract where they're the actual winning bid or the winning party on the property. Now, just to set the stage here, we have in Tucson about 10% of the normal amount of listings on the marketplace. So because of that, A lot of our offers are receiving anywhere from 10 or a lot of our listings are receiving anywhere from 10 to 20 offers on the property, right? And so when you're in the mix with 19, 15, 12, 13 other buyers, we're going to ask you some specific questions of how can we become the winning buyer and how we can become the winning buyer without selling our soul or without leaving ourselves vulnerable for some bad things to happen later on. So, Matt, let's talk about one of the first ones that scares the living tar out of me as a real estate agent is waiving an appraisal contingency.
1: Okay, well, that's, that's a that's a huge one. So, uh, for anybody who's a first time home buyer, um, you know the appraisal is the lending institute sending in their inspector who's going to look at the home, and he will give you the price of the house, right? So, when writing offers, we are seeing that. Um, buyers are waiving their appraisal. So what does that mean? Now the appraisal is one of the contingencies, which is a get out of jail free card for the buyer to back out of a deal. Waiving the appraisal means you're taking that off the table. So let's use an example. You've got a, a property that is you know, for sale for 400,000, you've written an offer let's say at 420 430 you've come in thirty thousand over because you want to win the deal you want to win this house people are doing that people are doing that we're seeing 30 dollars fifty thousand dollars over asking price and what they're doing is they're writing into the offer we're going to waive the appraisal so when the lenders inspector comes out the appraiser comes out and appraises the property at four hundred thousand you are paying 450 now Go back 24 months. If a buyer was to buy a home at $400,000 and it appraised for, let's say, 395, dollars you would have a conversation with the seller and say, well, listen, we're, we're $5,000 away from what we believe the house is worth to what the house is worth, you know, what the bank's telling me I can borrow. And you would negotiate that $5,000. And most times, sellers would just say, well, that's what my house is worth. It is what it is. Sellers aren't doing that. Sellers don't need to sell their house for the appraisal price because there's probably going to be another offer down the road that's cash or waives the appraisal. So we're seeing people waive appraisals. It. I don't think it's financially smart for you to do that. Like, let's be real. You wouldn't go and buy a secondhand vehicle, and if you were to buy one, you'd do. You'd go online, you'd look at Kelly Blue Book, and that. You know, let's say that vehicle's worth ten thousand dollars but the person selling the vehicle's got a tag on it for $20,000. You wouldn't just go in and say, well, it doesn't matter what Kelly Blue Book says, I really want this truck, I'm going to buy it for $20,000. You just wouldn't do that. So why are you doing that with a house, which is exponentially more expensive? It, you know, if the, if the Lending Institute says the house is worth $400,000, you're already in the hole. You have no equity in that house right now. You're $50,000 out of equity okay? So what I'm doing with my offers is I'm trying to keep my buyers grounded to really, you know, they, they work hard for their money. This is sweat equity money. They've worked in lifetimes to save money to buy a house. So what I'm doing is is I'm saying to them, we want to be cognizant of the appraisal, but we could do something, for instance, where if the property doesn't appraise for the, the price we've put on the paper, we will pay maybe two, three, $5,000 more than the appraised value, but not to exceed the value that we wrote on the contract to begin with. So, in this example, if the house is worth $400,000 and we wrote it at $400,000 and it appraised at three we'd pay $385. If it appraised at $396, We'd only pay up to four hundred thousand. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's what we do. That's that's one way I'm writing it. I want to keep people honest, and realistically, listing agents like you and I also need to do that too. We have to ground our sellers and say, listen, just because they're putting a lot of zeros at the end of that number on that purchase contract, doesn't mean that's necessarily what it's going to sell for. We got to we got to keep them informed and keep them grounded. So waving appraisals it scares me because that's one way that the market can rapidly increase with no control because there is no checks and balances people are just blowing past that so trying to win an offer you without waiving an appraisal contingency is maybe saying and agreeing to paying a couple of thousand more than what the property appraises for up to the original price
0: so have you ever had a chance or an opportunity to talk with your buyer and discover they don't have the extra money to buy the house and they are already in contract. What happens there? Well, luckily I haven't had
1: that because we do a lengthy pre-qualification process of finding out when they connect with a lender, how much do they have in savings? What can they afford to buy? And, you know, I talk with our lenders and our buyers of This is plan A, this is the way we're gonna go in and attack to win a house. This is plan B, we may have to do this. This is plan C and we don't really wanna get there because that's not beneficial for you. So knowing what your buyers have in their pocket in their bank account and working with the lender and knowing, you know, how much playing field you have to play with is crucial. And that's, again, where the buyer's consult comes in way before you even go looking at homes.
0: So it sounds to me, Matt, what you're saying is I'm looking out for my buyer's best interest, not my commission check. Absolutely. I'm not letting them get into a deal where they could lose their earnest money or lose the deal.
1: And I've said to my buyers many, many times, at the end of the day, when they buy a house with me or when they buy a house with us as a team, I don't want them to be house rich and pocket poor. There's no point owning this fabulous home that you are breaking your neck to pay for every month, but you can't turn the lights on in the third or fourth bedroom because you can't pay the bill. Or you've got this fabulous home yet you, you can't go on vacation with your family or you're eating ramen because you've over-leveraged yourself. I just won't
0: do it. I've got to sleep easy at night. Yeah, college you know? days, eating ramen noodles. Yeah, and, and but it,
1: it comes down to a morality factor okay. as a human that we have to put our clients, who are putting a lot of trust in us, is to put them and their needs before anybody else's.
0: Okay, you know. let's, let's move on to another yeah. uh, contingency I'm seeing waived a lot is the inspection contingency. So speak to us about that or maybe ways that you could not necessarily remove the inspection contingency, but have limits. Yeah,
1: so again, another one of contingencies is the inspections. Uh, in Arizona, we have a 10-day period to inspect a home. It's called a due diligence period. And a lot of times uh, homeowners just think that's inspecting the home, looking at what the house looks like. It actually isn't. You get to inspect whatever you want. It can be the house, the neighborhood, the utilities, the CCNRs, the HOA. You get to do any inspection you wish, not just the physical home inspection. So we are seeing people writing offers that they will waive their inspections. They won't inspect the property. They'll take it as is. In the Arizona contract, it's written that all homes are sold as is. However, the buyer has the right to inspect and request repairs be made, okay? Some states are different. For me, again, when you're buying that secondhand vehicle, you want somebody to, you know, kick the tires and turn the engine over and make sure it works. We're going to do the same. We're always going to do an inspection. It behooves you to do it. You want to know what you're buying. What we can say, however, is because sellers are a little wary that buyers are going to come in, and because they're paying potentially over asking price, that they're going to nitpick the shit out of the house and ask that seller for maybe ten dollars or $15,000 in repairs and just do what we, you know, well, we'll just take those repairs off the amount of the house, and now I'm back to where we were listed at, right? so some agents are doing that for me i literally turn around to my buyers and say listen why don't we do this inspect the house and we'll write into the contract that anything under let's say for instance two thousand dollars worth in repairs we're not going to ask for that's a honeydew list that's that's becoming a homeowner boy i get those all the time (laughs) right so that's the honeydew list now if it's a big thing like the roof the mechanicals, you know, the HVAC, the water heater, the plumbing, electrical. If it's over $2,000, it's a big ticket item. We're going to ask for that because, you know, why wouldn't you? But little things like dinks in the door or, you know, chipping paint or a little bit of wood rot on the back, things that you can generally do as a do-it-yourself type of thing, we're not going to ask for that. It makes the seller feel more comfortable. So instead of waiving your inspection, do your inspection, but make it quite clear to the listing agent, we're not gonna nitpick you. Hey
0: everyone, we wanna interrupt this episode to let you know that we are a Keller Williams Southern Arizona franchise.
1: Also, we are licensed realtors practicing equal housing.
0: Now, let's get you back to the podcast. Yeah, there's a limit on the nitpicking. You're just looking for the major items. Yeah,
1: and some people, you know, each buyer is different. Um, Some buyers, during the process, when they're buying a first home, they want it to be perfect. They don't want any little discrepancies or nicks or dinks And You gotta bring it back to reality. You know, you're buying a used home. You know, you buy a used car, there will t- come a time where you put your hand down the seat and find a French fry and you've never eaten a French fry in yeah. that car in your life, right? <laughs> it's the same with a house. You're gonna find some deficiencies, just don't don't be picky.
0: Okay. And then the last one I want to talk about is what we're starting to see a lot of. I mean, as a listing agent, I'm starting to ask for this because my sellers need it, and it's called post occupancy possession. Mm-hmm. Speak to that on how your your buyers are accommodating, let's say, my sellers. Yeah. So
1: I've actually done this uh, several times in the last couple of weeks. We've put together post-possession occupancies. What this means is, you know, sellers right now have it pretty tough where they're trying to sell a home and then buy a home. But without a lot on the market, it's, I want to sell, but where do I go? So they need a bit of breathing room to find a house. And they obviously need to sell the home they're in to afford the next home. That happens a lot. So uh, what buyers are doing is maybe they're renting, maybe they've got three, four months left on their rent, okay, and again, it all comes down to having the conversation between agents and client and understanding the bigger picture. So if I've got a buyer who's looking to buy, they're in a lease and their lease is up in four months' time, instead of paying to get out of the lease, and paying more money up front just to move into their new home. Talk with the selling agent and say, listen, you know, does your seller need to potentially rent the property back? We'll close in 30 to 45 days. Your homeowner now becomes a tenant. My buyer now becomes a landlord and we can give you 30, 60, 90 X amount of days to stay in the home to help you find a new home. Things like that work sellers don't, you know, sellers don't want to be homeless. They don't want to be having to rent somewhere for 30, 60 days just to go buy another house. So again, it comes down to just real open communication with the selling agent. Um, You're not trying to compete with that other agent, you're trying to work together cohesively and potentially do that post-possession occupancy where you rent the property back to the homeowner. I'm doing it right now with two of my clients and they're thrilled with it, you know, and it works for the buyers too. So it all depends on everybody's needs, um, everybody's, you know, positioning on the timeline and on the scale. But again, it all boils down to communication.
0: So it sounds like when you're working with your buyers, you understand their needs, their wants, and the position in life they're at. Absolutely. Okay, so they, as you said, you're working with them maybe three, four months in advance to when they're, uh, let's, if they're renters, their rent is over with, so that you can become a very um, pretty face to the sellers because the sellers can stay there. Yeah. Longer. Great. And you know, one big thing, Tom is.
1: Is if you look, if you're working with buyers and buyers understand that it is a competitive market, it's it's very important to have a conversation with that buyer and say, listen, we may be asked to do things that you haven't heard of or seem uncomfortable, but that's why you're working with a professional like myself. Is we can talk through that um, and have, pick up the phone, call the selling agent that you're about to write an offer on and have a conversation and say, what is important to your seller? Do they need to rent back? Do they need a delayed closing? You know, um, are they comfortable if we write into the contract that we're not gonna ask for any repairs over two thousand dollars. You know, are they comfortable with us writing into the contract that we will pay X amount over? Just have the conversation. I can tell you as a list you know, doing listings too, when a buying agent calls me on our listings and has that conversation, I'm like, you know what, that's a great relief. I know you're not wasting anybody's time because you're taking the time to come in strong. You kind know. I like that.
0: Well, Matt, I want to thank you for all of that great information about what's happening in the marketplace now and what our buyers have to do in order to become the winning offer without selling their soul or leaving themselves exposed to something that could really be negative, you know, very negative to them. And, you know, again, We, as real estate agents, want to keep attorneys out of the deal, so the best way is to look for win-win situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in to the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate. Uh, This was Podcast 29. Next week, Podcast 30 is going to be on sellers in the 2021 marketplace. Until then, stay safe. Hey, thank you
1: for listening and watching the Nitty Gritty podcast here with the Tom J. Krieger team. If you are thinking about buying a home, selling a home, or even investing in real estate, please reach out to us. We are local here in Tucson, Arizona, but we are also connected to over 4,000 agents across the U.S. So again, looking to buy, sell, or invest in your hometown, reach out to us and let us connect you.